0: Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found.
1: That project manager I could never seem to hire?
0: And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of
1: small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started
0: at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing.
0: Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sub China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, and I'm Ada Shen in Paris. Vague progress was reported over the week in the seemingly never-ending U.S.-China trade war. In fact. Premier Li Keqiang said the trade frictions between the two countries shouldn't even be called a war as the purpose of trade is to avoid war. If you were doing business with a knife, then it wouldn't be business anymore, Li said at the Boao Forum for Asia. More talks are expected this week. Fun fact, this year marks the 40th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations between China and the U.S.
1: A report from a U.K. watchdog said further issues have been identified in Huawei's engineering processes that pose additional risks to Britain's telecom networks. The report, compiled by a watchdog organization jointly established by Huawei and the U.K.'s National Cybersecurity Center, comes amid widespread scrutiny of national security risks posed by the company's involvement in next-generation telecommunication networks. UK officials have said the risks posed by using Huawei's equipment could be mitigated, but the new report has called this into question. It concluded it is only able to provide, quote, limited assurance towards security since no significant progress has been made on issues raised in last year's report, and further issues have come to light this year. However, the report does say it does not believe that the defects are a result of Chinese state interference, but instead are due to poor software engineering and cybersecurity.
0: But keep your chin up, Huawei. You're still kind of killing it. The company just released data for its performance last year, and it hit a sales record of $100 billion in 2018, up 20% year-on-year, with net profit climbing 25%. Growth was mainly driven by consumer sales, making that segment Huawei's top revenue source for the first time ever. Last year, Huawei shipped 200 million smartphone units, the company said. China was the company's largest market for the year, contributing more than half its revenue, while Europe, the Middle East, and Africa together made up 30% of Huawei sales.
1: Top Chinese liquor brand Guizhou Maltai's Shanghai listed stocks closed at a record high of $128 US on Friday, as the company reported strong profit growth in its 2018 earnings report. Net profit and revenue were both up nearly 30%. Maltai, which surpassed the U.K.'s Diageo in 2017 to become the world's most valuable liquor company, seems to have recovered nicely from the hit Baijiu demand took after an anti-corruption campaign was launched in 2013.
0: China will issue 5G wireless communications licenses by year-end as the country pushes aggressively into the cutting-edge technology that could power everything from self-driving cars to telemedicine. The announcement came from Minister of Industry and Information Technology, Miao Wei, who added that actual timing for the launch of 5G networks will depend on maturation of the necessary technology, most notably 5G handsets. China is the world's largest mobile market, but in the past, the nation was slow to roll out the latest generations of new mobile communications, often preferring to wait for the technology to mature first in more advanced Western markets. Beijing has taken a different tack in 5G, aiming to become a leader in the space for a technology expected to power many of the wireless high-tech applications of the future. Accordingly, it wants to roll out its networks sooner rather than later, and for the first time, could be among the world's first major markets to launch the service.
1: J.P. Morgan Chase and Nomura Holding won approval to set up new securities joint ventures in China with majority foreign ownership, as regulators followed through on a promise to open up the country's financial markets. Chinese securities regulators gave the green light last week for Nomura and J.P. Morgan Chase to each hold 51% of their China joint ventures. Last April, the securities watchdog issued new rules raised on the ceiling on foreign ownership of Chinese securities businesses to 51% from the previous 49%, following the government's commitment to grant foreign investors wider access to China's financial markets. In November, Swiss financial titan UBS became the first foreign investor to take control of a domestic brokerage by increasing its shareholding in its China securities joint venture from 25% to 51%.
0: Former finance minister and prominent reform advocate Lo Jiwei, 68, retired from his post heading China's $300 billion social security fund, Xin learned last week. He will be replaced by Liu Wei, a minister of finance. Retiring Lo served as finance minister from 2013 to 2016 before becoming head of the National Council for Social Security Fund, the body that manages the central fund. As China's population ages, strained provincial-level funds are increasingly reliant on central government subsidies to stay in the black. Liu, a decade younger than Lo, started his government career in the southwestern municipality of Chongqing. He's a relatively junior pick for the position. Previous chiefs of the council have included a former central bank governor and several ex-finance ministers. It's a big job. By one estimate, more than 250 million Chinese will be aged 60 or older by 2020.
1: Shares of Chinese companies linked to cannabis growing plunged last week after several firms were asked to disclose progress on industrial cannabis projects. More than 20 cannabis-related stocks fell by the 10% daily limit on Thursday. This was a reversal of the rally the sector has seen since the start of the year, where approval of several hemp-related ventures sent stocks even remotely linked to the plant surging. The abrupt fall was triggered when the Shenzhen Stock Exchange sent letters to several companies asking them to submit progress reports on their industrial cannabis projects. Even though growth and consumption of marijuana, the most common product of the cannabis plant, is illegal in China, it is legal to grow industrial hemp. Marijuana, cannabis, and hemp are all called dama in Chinese, so the three are often confused. At present, industrial hemp can only be used in fabric and seeds and has never been approved for medical or food use.
0: Thanks, Ada. Let's turn out at Saishin Managing Editor Doug Young to chat about a couple of the stories in the news this week. Doug, let's talk about the IPO of a Chinese online education play. Why is this listing
2: particularly newsworthy? Yeah, this company is called Learn with a K, you know, just to be cool. And they actually are the online unit of a company called New Oriental Education. And the story is they just did an IPO. uh, New Orientals like sort of a household fixture here in China. They operate sort of more traditional classrooms all over the place. And CoolLearn is their younger online unit. And this has sort of been the trend is, you know, and actually you know, online learning is is sort of becoming the big thing. And it's, it's you know, it's much more convenient. People can do it at home. It's scalable. You know, people can also do it from big distances and so forth. So that was CoolLearn's big story. Uh, but... What happened uh, on the way to market, uh, basically, China, as they are often seen to do, sort of has cast a big regulatory cloud over this whole industry. And as a result, Earn's stock basically didn't do so well. It actually finished flat in its first trading day. And its second trading day, it was down a little bit but there've been a lot of these online education stocks going public over the last couple of years and some of them had done really well but like i say this sort of looming crackdown has has really hit all of them and i did some checking a few of them are down like about 60% or more and and even the better performing ones are still down about 30% from their ipo prices so, uh, Coolern, they could have a tough road ahead. You know, we'll have to we'll have to see how this regulation pans out because the uh, education minister made some comments recently, saying basically there were going to be new regulations on this online learning industry. So, uh, could be nothing, or you know, uh, this is China. Uh, you never know with the, these regulators. Doug, tell us why
0: the government has been cracking down on
2: online education, of all things, in the first place. Yeah, well, this is actually a, a, a big topic, a hot topic here in China. And it's actually been a hot topic for a while, but it's, it's just almost getting out of control because these classes are just becoming so abundant and so easily accessible. And that story is, you know, just burdening kids here in China with tons and tons of cram schools and extra homework and teachers here and that. Uh, you know, you and I both know we live here, but maybe some people outside of China don't know. But China is very famous for just having this ultra competitive society. And everybody wants to give their kids, you know, there are all these one child households. So they all want their kids to be, you know, geniuses and go to the best schools. And, and so just people spend tons of money, you know, outside of school, kids are just constantly going to extra weekend classes and evening classes. And, you know, it's taking a toll on China's kids and, and the education ministry is, you know, has woken up to this or they probably knew about it before, but uh, maybe they're finally realizing that this is not necessarily healthy for the kids. So I think that's a, a big thing. And they're not even not only doing this against uh, online schools, but also regular schools, too. There's there's a lot of movements going around to, you know, limit the amount of homework that kids have and and just, you know, try and give them lives, Got, try and give them real childhoods rather than, uh, you know, childhood spent cramming for tests and studying in extracurricular courses and so forth.
0: Okay, let's move now to another story about the auto industry. Always a million things to say about the auto industry in China, but what are we focusing on this week?
2: Yeah, this story, we're going to zero in on the uh, new energy car sector, which usually refers to hybrids and electric cars. And for any uh, car nuts out there, it also includes hydrogen cell or fuel cell cars, I guess. But that's not a very big market in China yet. It's really mostly these hybrids and uh, EVs. And the story this week is that China has slashed. I mean, they've really gone after the these subsidies that they were giving for electric car buyers. And apparently these are the worst cuts they've done in five years, which... It probably translates to ever because they've only been given these subsidies probably for the last six or seven years, maybe. So, you know, just to give you some quick numbers here, uh, they basically said they're going to be cutting subsidies for EVs with a range of 400 kilometers or more by half. And they're going to be basically giving about the equivalent of 3,700 U.S. dollars per vehicle, which is about half of, of what they were giving before and, and, you know, we see this happening for lower distance cars, and, and apparently the old threshold for any subsidy at all was 150 kilometers, and now it's up to 250. So the trend basically is lower subsidies, higher quality. You know, these, these really low distance cars probably have crappy technology. They're not very good. Stop subsidizing them. Why do we want to subsidize people to buy, you know, crap? that's the big picture. And then the ultimate plan really is by 2020, uh, next year, to end these subsidies altogether. This is actually something you see in a lot of industries. emerging industries. You see government giving subsidies. You see it a lot like in the solar sector. uh, A lot of solar power companies got to sell their electricity for extra high rates, higher than market rates, because the government let them and ordered the power companies to buy this Expensive power, and that's the way you get these industries going because you have to get the stuff commercially viable. So the idea here with the electric cars is we've given you, you know, five six years, start selling these things, you know, on their own merits and not because of these uh, government subsidies.
0: So, was this move expected, or did it come out of the blue? And what was driving it?
2: Well, this this particular move actually has a bit of history here in China, which is. Chinese companies and consumers also a tendency to abuse these government incentives. Uh, and there were just all kinds of headlines a year or two ago about companies that were taking subsidies and maybe producing one car, you know, just to get a, a huge subsidy. And there were companies that were basically profitable just because of the subsidies, you know, because they weren't actually selling anything. And and likewise, there were consumers, you know, who apparently were somehow finding ways to buy these cars just to get the subsidy and then never driving them. I don't, I don't know how that works exactly because you still got to pay something out of your pocket. But, you know, it was this sort of Chinese tendency to abuse subsidies because they probably weren't that well designed to start with. So the government finally woke up to this and, you know, it's a combination. They're saying, all right, we've given you enough time, but also, you know, you guys have abused us enough. Uh, This stuff should be commercial by now. Anyone who was, you know, being profitable off our subsidies, sorry, you you know, your days are gone. And, you know, a lot of these inferior uh, electric car and and hybrid car makers are basically going out of business. Well, Doug, great to have you back. And uh, let's talk again next week, man.
0: Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. Thanks, Doug. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by Sup China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Seneca network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Subscribe to our newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.